T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us now is a man who's got a massive brain. Mike Florio. He used to be a lawyer, then he decided to take his talents to the internet. NBC Sports. I'm sorry I'm late. I was talking to Robert Kraft. Pro Football Talk. I wouldn't listen to some of those people out there, especially guys like Mike Florio. Mike Florio with Bernstein, Holmes, and Rahimi on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. As we were saying in the last segment, it's nice to talk about the NFL as a whole and and look at the Bears and be like, wow, there are other teams that are in much worse shape than the Bears are. And there's a lot of news that's going on around the NFL. That's why we get the opportunity to talk with Mike Florio, who joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Things are good. Things are good for us. Uh, uh, they're not going great for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. I, I'm curious on if – are there higher powers at work now in the NFL dealing with this individual player's struggle with concussion and people not understanding when he has a concussion? We just posted that the NFL Players Association has exercised its right to initiate a joint review of this latest Tua Tonga-Vailoa concussion. You may recall that after week three, when Tua struck his head against the turf on that same stadium field, there was a review over whether or not he should have been removed from play. He was allowed to return to the game. He said he had a back injury. The doctors went along with that, even though the rest of us saw a guy who was very wobbly, who seemed to be demonstrating the the kind of behavior that would suggest he should have been removed from play, and they changed the concussion protocol after that. So this time around, it's about what did anyone do when his head hit the turf, and anyone who was paying attention to the game noticed the head hit the turf late in the second quarter. What was done to evaluate him, if anything? Were there any signs, any reasons, any behaviors that would have suggested he was suffering the symptoms of a concussion because by the next day he was sufficiently experiencing those symptoms that he landed in the concussion protocol. And earlier today, Coach Mike McDaniel said that he does indeed have a concussion. So it's unfortunate that it's all centering on Tua because I'm concerned at some point he just gets a scarlet letter on him and the league moves on from him simply because they've had enough of these controversies with Tua Tonga-Vailoa having concussions. And none of these other quarterbacks, other than Kenny Pickett, who's had two this year, are having concussions and are becoming the face of head injuries in the NFL. That has to make people high up in the league very uncomfortable. Well, they should also have some shame then for allowing him to play on nationally televised 
Thursday night football four days later? Because to me, that is as big of a sin. I agree with you completely. And look, the problem is he's going to pay the price for it if he ends up not having a career over it. If you know, you've got other people saying that, that he shouldn't play again this year. Well, if he's cleared to play, what, what do you do? Do you just not play him because it's bad optics, even though he's cleared to play? The bigger question is, should he ever play again? And at some level, it's his decision. At some level, it isn't. Remember Javid Best? He was a first-round pick out of Cal for the Lions in 2010. He suffered a concussion against the 49ers Week 5, 2011. Never played again because he could never get cleared to play again. At some point, you're not going to find a doctor who will say, you're okay to continue to play football. Two is not a big guy. You see him get kind of whipped around by much larger, stronger, faster men. And if you can't protect yourself against taking those kinds of of hits, against that kind of force being applied to your body and then having your body hit the ground, there is just going to be a point where it's no different than being too slow, too inaccurate, too small, not strong enough. Whatever it is that disqualifies a guy from playing in the NFL – I fear that we're going to get a point where the Dolphins move on from him and no one else touches him because no one else wants this hyper-focus of when's the next concussion, what's going to happen, can he play, will he play, should he play. I think the NFL would rather not have that debate ever come up. Mike, what's your opinion on how Mike McDaniel has handled this? Well, you know, it's tough for him because he walks into this job as a young coach. And there's a structure there that you defer to. You've got a medical staff that's been there longer than he has. This is all new to him. So I'm the head coach. I handle what I handle. And then I have to trust that the other people are going to do their jobs properly. Now, at some point, the coach, I think, has an obligation to raise questions internally about whether the other people who are doing these jobs are doing them well enough and whether or not there should be changes made. You just don't go along for the ride and say, I'm not sufficiently versed in brain injuries to have any opinion whatsoever on whether or not these doctors are doing their job or the trainers are doing their job or whoever is doing their job. So it's a tough spot for him to be thrust into. I suspect that more seasoned coaches, more successful coaches, would feel more comfortable standing up and saying, I don't like this. And and there was an element also in this specific case where I wonder whether or not anyone told him on Monday, hey, you know, the guy hit his head on the ground late in the second quarter. You, you, you know, you're coaching the game. You didn't see it. But, you know, we're kind of thinking that this may be when it happened and we didn't really see it. And maybe they didn't want to tell him because they're concerned that he would have been very upset. Because unless he was lying on Monday, he truly didn't know when the concussion may have occurred at a time when social media had been passing around the video that shows his head hit the ground for nearly 24 hours. It's just a shame how it's been handled. They already fired one doctor only after an outcry about it. And to see McDaniel, unfortunately, be put in this spot, it's it's a sad scene all around, to say the absolute least. I want to still stay on the quarterback discussion because we learn from – Ron Rivera, that he wants to start Carson Wentz for the commanders over Taylor Heineke. And I'm wondering what exactly led to that decision, Mike? Well, I think it's pretty simple, right? Carson Wentz beat the Bears on Thursday, October 13. And then we learned that he had a broken finger. So Taylor Heineke had to come in and play. And Heineke came in and played well. And his good play continued beyond the point at which Carson Wentz healed. So 
you know, instead of using the 100% rule, i.e. Carson Wentz will play when he's 100% and he's just never 100% again, or at least he's not 100% until Taylor Heineke cools off, what's happened is Heineke's cooled off. So Heineke has dipped in his performance. He also, he's just got a knack for getting lucky where he throws up balls that should be returned for a touchdown and they just aren't. But Wentz is healthy and he looked good against the 49ers. Heineke is still Heineke. I think the ceiling is higher for Wentz. Wentz was the starter when they traded for him. Wentz is healthy. Wentz is playing well. Let's go with Wentz as we enter these final two weeks where they have to beat the Browns on Sunday and then turn around and beat the Cowboys the following Sunday in a game that may mean nothing at all to Dallas. And then they're in the playoffs by a half game over some of these other teams that are trying to get into that number seven spot. So I just think they believe Wentz has the higher ceiling. Wentz is the guy who was the starter. Heineke has cooled off enough that it's time to put Wentz back on the field and see what he can do. Mike, considering what's been going on in, in Denver uh, over, the, over the entire season, I, I am curious on what you think on, on the decision to launch Nathaniel Hackett and the impact that, that that'll have. And also, can you break down for people how bad a financial situation the Broncos are in with the Russell Wilson contract? Well, and I, I really believe that the Broncos wanted to get through the season. The Broncos didn't want the indignity of being only the fifth team since the merger to have a head coach who failed to finish his first year on the job. And there's only been five now, and there's been back-to-back. Urban Meyer, 2021, Nathaniel Hackett this year. But 51-14, to 14, embarrassing performance against a team owned by a family member in Stan Kroenke. You've got that Kroenke-Walton connection because Kroenke is married to one of the various Walton multi-billionaires. I mean, talk about a successful business. When you have like 10 family members who are all multi-billionaires from one company, that's a company that's doing pretty well. I digress. The point was that you just couldn't continue this. Let's go ahead and start the process. Let's get the head start. Let's not continue to go through this facade. We know what we're going to do. We may as well go ahead and implement it. And with Russell Wilson, I think they're stuck with him at least for one more year. It's going to hurt if they cut him or trade him and good luck trading him after the 2023 season. But if they would cut him now, they would take a $107 million dead cap charge and they would continue to owe him like 69 million or thereabouts in guaranteed money over the next couple of years whether he's on the team or not now i think next year it's more manageable he'd he'd account 35 million under the cap for 23 and then he'd count for almost 50 million in 24 and in March of 24, there's another $37 million that becomes fully guaranteed. I just think he's going to have to have a superhuman season in 23 to get that 2024 and beyond. And, and who knows? I, they say they think he's fixable. I think he's lost just enough of his mobility that he's lost confidence in his game at the level he used to have it. But that's going to be job number one of the next head coach. Whether the ownership group will say it or not, job number one is what are you going to do with Russell Wilson? Well, and that's why I wonder if that's the only organizational change they're going to make. Doesn't seem like that would work or make sense if so. Especially when George Payton, the GM of the team, in his introductory remarks at the press conference they had yesterday, it sounded like he was preparing to resign. It's all on me. It's all my fault. Blame me. Okay, well, why is Nathaniel Hackett gone and why are you still here? You hired Hackett. You traded for Russell Wilson, and then at a time when you had no compulsion, no obligation, no requirement to give the guy a contract, you gave him a contract, all to get ahead of the fact that the market keeps going up. Well, let's see if he can play. 
a game before we make this $245 million commitment. And look, I, I think that once you trade for him, you already do kind of sign on to extending his contract at some point. But if they hadn't done it, I suspect that, that there would be a much different decision and discussion happening in Denver right now. Now that we're more than a month into the Jeff Saturday experiment, what are you hearing from the people in Indianapolis? Well, I'm hearing from the one person who's ultimately going to make the decision that he considers Jeff Saturday to be a candidate for the job. And I believe that, that this interim hire was done to get people comfortable with the idea of Saturday being a coach of the team. Let him coach the team for half the year. And, uh, you know, however it turns out, you can make the argument that he did the best he could, that he made the best batch of chicken salad that he could, being thrust into this difficult situation. They won the first game. They've been ahead in some other games. They played the Eagles tough. You can look at this glass and call it half full or half empty, and if Jim Irsay wants Jeff Saturday to coach the team, if he wants that connection to teams gone by in Indianapolis, if that's what he wants, he's going to get it. And you know what? Monday night in Indy, that stadium was full. So it's not like the fans are clamoring for Jeff Saturday to be gone. I I have a feeling he's going to be the head coach next year, no matter what happens the next two games. I think about the new schedule and how it's it's probably going to blow up some of our, our thoughts about stigmas in the NFL. Like, for example, the Bengals starting 0-2 and now Joe Burrows, the offensive player of the week. What are you seeing out of Cincinnati as far as their their positioning going into the playoffs? Well, it really is amazing, and it, it, it is something that we say every year. We try to remind ourselves and everyone else, don't get too caught up in early season records. All they matter is as it relates to tiebreakers later. That, that's the biggest impact. You could get to week 18 and you miss the playoffs by a tiebreaker that traces back to a game that you lost in early September. But, yeah, you know, the Bengals are doing similar things to what they did last year. When they hit their bye week at 5-4, and four, that's the exact same record they had last year when they hit the bye week and they just felt a lot of parallels and they had Jamar Chase gone for a while and he's back and he's playing as well as he ever did. And Joe Burrow is doing what Joe Burrow does and the team just keeps winning games. And they, they're pointing toward this showdown with the bills on Monday night, which I think will decide the one seed in the AFC. I think if the Bengals win, the chiefs end up the one seed unless the chiefs stumble and the Bengals take it from them. And if the bills win, the bills will be the number one seed. So a very meaningful late season Monday night game, for the Bengals, probably the most meaningful late season Monday night game for them since 2015 when they had a chance to take the one seed from the Broncos that year. But, you know, this is a team that made it to the Super Bowl. People people thought it was a lot of smoke and mirrors and they just got lucky. Well, they're looking a lot like that team that made its own luck last year. How are you feeling about this renaissance for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? I, I think that No team in the NFC playoff field should want to see the Packers get in. And I said this before the season started, and I tweeted it the other day, and I I knew that there were going to be people who disagreed with me. I was surprised that some of the people who disagreed, I would think they would know better. The point is this. When you're the one seed, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. You have expectations. And we've seen the Packers multiple times in Aaron Rodgers' career be the one seed and fail to do anything with it fail to win the divisional round. We saw that in 2011 against the Giants. We saw it last year against the 49ers. When you've got the one seed, you've got everything to lose. When you go in as the last team to the table, like they did in 2010, when Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, what happened? 
They got hot. You got nothing to lose. You've got a different mindset. We weren't supposed to be here. We were left for dead. We're going to come out and play loose. We're not going to play tight. We're going to play loose. I think they're very dangerous that they get in. And what makes it fascinating to me, if Washington beats the Browns, and if either the Cowboys lose to the Titans, which is unlikely because the Titans are probably not going to play their starters because the game's meaningless to them, if the Eagles beat the Saints and the Cowboys are locked in the five seed, Mike McCarthy, the former coach mm-hmm. of the Packers, puts a bunch of backups out on the field week 18 against Washington. Washington wins, and that keeps the Packers out no matter what. And I'll tell you what, strategically, if I'm McCarthy, I don't want Aaron Rodgers floating around on that playoff tree. If I'm any of these teams in the NFC field, I don't want Aaron Rodgers in this mix because he could get hot, he could get dangerous, and he could run the table. Wouldn't be the last time McCarthy loses a game for Green Bay. I wouldn't. <laughs> Mike, you're the best. We appreciate the time, sir. Hey, Happy New Year. Great talking to you as always. Thanks, Same Mike. to you. That is Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. We appreciate him jumping onto the show. You want to get into some bear stuff? Bears. I mean, we had Tom Thayer here. I always love hearing Tom Thayer talk about football. Like he was here. And, and he, other things. He had stuff. Like the popcorn thing was pretty awesome this morning. French bulldog talk. Well, yeah. This is cute little dogs. Surfing. All of that stuff is, is something you can discuss with him. But you know what he knows best? Offensive line play. He does. And guess who talked yesterday at Bears? The Bears left tackle. We'll go and let you hear what Thayer has to say about how things are going for Braxton Jones. We will do that next. It's Bernstein and Holmes. Lawrence and Layla here with you until 2 on The Score. Touchdown, Burns! T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station.
I'm no person to just, you know, put myself and say that I'm for sure that guy or anything because that's not my decision to make. But I, I want to be that guy. I want to put in the work in the offseason, too, as well, to be that guy and a cornerstone for this uh, organization. I feel like I, you know, obviously I got a lot of work to do, but personally and the way I try and, you know, act around the building, I just I want to be here as long as possible. And I feel like I could be a cornerstone for that left tackle position. Know what this is? What is this? This is the song Grody was talking about. Oh, by Alice in Chains. Yeah, like it does have an Alice in Chains feel to it. But you missed you missed the very beginning. The very R. very Peter beginning. Lair. Man, Lane Staley. That was a sad one. For yeah, me. man. It's bad. <sighs> but that's what we do on this show. We have fun with talking about the songs and enjoying Somebody brings ourselves. Death into it. Usually Dan, who is uh, Dan Mexico for the rest of the week. He will be back on Monday. Oh, no, Tuesday, right? Like, he'll be back. On, I'll be here on Monday. He won't. And then I'm filling in for you next Thursday and Friday. Right. On the score. I believe that is the case. Where are you going? Miami. So you got to come back Saturday now, huh? Yes. I'll be back on Friday. Because there's work to be done on Sunday. I'll save it for high noon. And then we can talk about all of it and stuff. But I got to be back on Friday because Saturday I'm on a panel with Herbie for the 108 Sox Fest because the Sox aren't actually having a fan festival. I wanted to go. I just couldn't make it work schedule-wise. And but, I love them. But I am, I am going to be on a panel talking about the White Sox over at Reggie's. That's going to be a good time. The last one that I went to was a blast. I think the last one I went to was 2020. I mean, for goodness sake, they're the only ornament on our tree. They did not pay us to say this. We just appreciate them is all. Mike Rankin, did you get your your tickets to the event? You know, they sold out. I know they did. Already? Very quickly. So I'm working on it. It's a good time. It is a good time. Is it? It's a good time with them anytime. I mean, I guess I could technically just be like, you're my plus one. Aw. Aw. And just come. I mean, this is what we do at White Sox games now, so you might as well be my plus one at this thing. I heard the one in 2019 was, was it? No, it was 2020. Mm-hmm. The one with her. Wow. It was pretty. I heard that was there. one. I heard that one was incredibly lit. Yeah. People will be able to hear me say words that they don't hear me say on, on the radio. I heard Herb was on one. He's always on one. No, but like for him, he's always, he's either a hundred percent right or a hundred percent wrong. I miss that man. Well, you can come on out. If I, that's, there's a important people in my life have birthdays surrounding those times. So that's what kind of like, it's the snag, but yeah, I'll, I'll have some stuff to, to do on Sunday. And this Sunday. We'll discuss. On the... Well, no. No. On the Sunday... No. We'll discuss in the next segment. This segment is about us talking about protection for Justin Fields and Braxton Jones. Protection is good. It's healthy. (laughs) Yes, it is. Braxton Jones throughout (laughs) the season has... uh, He has talked, I think, pretty honestly... About some of his deficiencies, he keeps getting bull rushed. That's something that he has to work in the offseason. That's not something you can fix strength-wise or 
body makeup wise. You can't do that during a season. That's an off season of work that you got to put in. You got to change your routine. You, you got to go all Lucas Giolito. I mean, Lucas Giolito. It's the worst pitcher in baseball. We need you to be better this year. Yeah. Could you be better? Cause you're good and a nice guy and we want you to I, succeed. He's the nicest. Yeah. He's one of my favorite players over there, but wonderful human. He, he, last year was not great. I need your change up back. Don't worry. We'll talk about the White Sox in full tomorrow. 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 Don't bother me. Um, but we're talking about the Bears now. And why not let's have our guy, Tom Thayer, explain some of the things that Braxton Jones could do better as a left tackle. There's a lot that he can prove to me in the offseason by never taking a step on the field. If he comes back and he looks physically different, that he has dedicated himself into the weight room, that that's going to tell me an important part of his desire to be great. You can come out here and you can be decent or you can be good, but he has the ability to be great. And mm. I, but I think, you think a lot so. of, he's got the ability I, to be great. Yes, yeah. that's, that's a big thing you're saying. I right do. There. When you're talking about using his assets, he's got good feet. He's a super smart kid. He's got really good length. But now, can he get better bendability? Can he be more dominant when he's got a one-on-one run blocking assignment? Yeah. Because a lot of these measurements aren't just what you did on, you know, did I keep my quarterback clean? That's one third of your job, you know, because of the running statistics that are part of what the bears are able to accomplish this year. So much of it has to do with Justin's scrambling ability. Is the running game sufficient with just the running backs? And what is your role according to the run game. If you look at the statistics for the Bears, going to the outside left, it's significant. Mm -hmm. They're like over six yards a carry on the outside Mm -hmm. left. So the initial measuring sticks for Braxton, his arrow is definitely pointing up. But this is the first offseason you're going to have on your own as a professional, and what are you going to do with it? And it's not necessarily hiring some fancy personal trainer it's about are you dedicated enough that you encourage yourself to go in the weight room that you don't need to be hand-fed in the weight room and having somebody guide you there. So that's excellent advice from Tom Thayer. Braxton Jones, from every soundbite that I've heard and I've heard people talk about him, he seems to get it. Like, it, it, it's not – he doesn't seem defiant when he is offered criticism of his play – he seems to look at it and go, yeah, you're right. Like, I can get better at blank, 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 blank. We should keep in mind that this is a fifth-round player. This is a rookie that we're talking about that's being asked to play one of the most difficult positions in all of football. Manley said something to us last week that keeps, like, sticking in my mind. Like, are we judging him based on his draft status? Like, are we saying he's good for a fifth-rounder? Right. Versus... He's good. And that's my, that's part of my issue when it comes to the devotion that they have to him. When I'm still wondering if Tevin Jenkins has shown that much improvement, why isn't he on the left side? It's a good question. I sincerely. And is it you falling in love with your own picks? These are some of the things that I am concerned about that, that special dispensation is given to, I'm their guys to their guy. Like if, if you've been listening to this show since the beginning of the football season and according to the ratings, you have. Um, thank you. Yeah. And we thank you very much for that. Sorry about everybody who says radio's dying. 
it's uh, a lucrative six months. Um, that you know that my feeling is I don't like the not my guy game. Like I, I don't like that at all. Like as soon as you become the coach or the GM of this team, like those are your guys, and I'm okay with you weeding people out, but you shouldn't be like, oh well, you have to give Braxton Jones more time because he's our guy, and maybe. And it felt like they were trying to run Tevin Jenkins off no this team because he wasn't their guy. By the way, our crack staff, shout out to Doug Buffon, as he would say, pulled the Patrick Manley sound. Would you like to hear it? I would. If you want to grade him as a fifth-round draft pick starting in the NFL, you got to give him you know high marks for what he's done being where he was drafted. But obviously everybody's talked about his strength. You can see that. He talks about it, that he struggles with the bull rush. He does. But what I've seen... He's pretty good in the run game. He's obviously good on the crack, uh, crack toss stuff when he gets out into space. Uh, he's very good in double teams, fits in there real nice on the backside B blocks. Um, his technique, pass blocking-wise, has gotten better. And I think they're putting him on an island a little bit more. It seemed like they did this past week, and he held up pretty well against a good Philadelphia Eagles pass rush when he was one-on-one, not when they were doing the twists and things like that. But I do like his technique, and I think just overall he just has to get stronger. But – that being said, Lawrence, I think there are players that could be a substantial upgrade of who he is or who what the and what the Bears need at that tackle position. You see the Eagles, they have their stud tackle at right tackles, Lane Johnson. But I think there are guys out there that could be, you know, a step or two above him. Um, maybe he works that way as he gets stronger, but I, I've got to give him, you know, some high marks from what he's done coming in from where he's been drafted. I don't think that anyone on the Bears offensive line should go into this offseason feeling comfortable. No, absolutely not. And that is the one position that they talked about first. Other than three technique, this regime talked about the body, the shape, the makeup of the offensive line. Brian Poles wanted to do some work there. And then I do always wonder, because we've heard this phrase a lot in our business, bosses want to discover somebody. Mm. And it's a good way to like mm. come in and say, like, hey, I reinvented this wheel. And 99 times out of 100, you didn't. And your ego is going to get you fired. And you don't necessarily need to. But it would be a real feather in that regime's cap if they found this fifth rounder, just like Ryan Pace did with Darnell Mooney, and then he's the cornerstone of protecting Justin Fields on the score. You know, it's 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 got that nice ring to it where you really probably have to prevent yourself, if you're them, from falling in love with that fantasy. I was wondering if uh, you hearing crack toss was going to be a a triggering event. I looked at Rankin, but they've employed the crack toss judiciously. Yes. And not on third down and not to the short side of the field. And they have this thing with it called downfield blocking now, which seems to help. I've seen other teams do it. Hmm. Big if true, if it can work. Hmm. (laughs) I guess I misinterpreted what I meant by that. Still waiting for year four, honey. Still waiting. <laughs> Petty Layla is my favorite version. It's just like, well, if only we could get this magical person who then can execute my brilliant scheme. Never mind that I had to use trick plays to get into the end zone in the latter parts of the 2018 season. You know that one we're all trying to chase because it was so amazing where you didn't actually even win a playoff game? The fire, let's go. The thing about Braxton Jones is I think we all want him to succeed. I appreciate him being self-aware. 
But don't be afraid to move the most talented lineman to the spot that protects Justin Fields the most. And to me, that might still very well be Tevin Jenkins. It, it might be, but it, it I, it's one of those things where you just feel like they just don't like him. And I'm like, why? Like, what did he do? And maybe he did something, but it doesn't seem like it. Just well, seems like they tried to trade him. Like they they really tried. I don't know what happened there. If like he didn't want to play at a certain spot, may, I, we don't know the answers to that. But I really hope that those emotions would be settled now, given the service that has been put in place by the athletes, and that you would think of the quarterback's production and the health of the team first. I really hope that would be the case. I know I brought it up yesterday inside of a bigger discussion, um, but I think about that Washington game, that Thursday night game, and, and I'm telling you, had, had they won that game, I, I don't know if we would have seen this jump that we saw from Justin Fields. I don't know if they would have done. Thanks, Mitch. Mitch, he always gets his. Mitch gets his coffee. Yeah, he always gets. With me, Mitch it's is not tea, an intern. But... Mitch is an intern of life. It's a different thing. You ever hear some one of these days? Like it's part of. It's not technically score stories. You should hear Mitch's stories from when he was a producer. We got so many stories that we need to hear. I have so many stories that you guys have have been like, we can't tell you that right now, and I'm like, then when can you tell it? Well, you guys what... never want me. Like, never happens. One of the stories is going to come back during high noon. Mike, have you talked to Mitch about his days of producing? No, but you should. Yeah, <laughs> the fear in your voice right. just now. You you should because um, wow, I think it'll give you a greater appreciation for us. Well, I knew that. I knew that because those was the wild. Like people talk about early score being the wild west, and they're right, a hundred percent. But Chicago radio in the eighties, fam. <laughs> There, well, I mean, there's that. There's there's all sorts of things that people needed to be ready to do their thing on the air. Possibly. What is that? Play it again. Oh no, I heard it. I just want to know what it is. Unless you're in Oregon. Right. It's bad. Um, Buy me some penis and all right. That's enough. That's enough from him. Depends on the day. <laughs> There's no one better at this job than her. Yes. Many, many people. No. Do you do you want to go back to last week where everybody quit our show because we were so bad? Yeah, that was a rough Did Ian Happ actually come on, or was he like, that's enough? No, he was he was on he the show. He has a standard. He's an all-star. He's an all-star now. He doesn't have to do this anymore. Connect Roasters, is, I mean, you can see if you're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the score. We got the Tim Anderson bobblehead. We got the Connect Roasters. We got the Elvis Andrews I brought us Elvis. I brought us Elvis Andrews. I did it. Because I did he, it. That's awesome. Because he should be. Oh, that's right, Mike. You didn't see it. You weren't here. Don't speak Elvis Andrews into my we're, existence. We're trying we'll to conjure up some deal that allows him to play for the White Sox next year. I could year. probably get his information from uh, my friend, who's the Rangers reporter, and be like, "Hey, uh, we need him back on the Sox. Do you mind if I just reach out?" He knows who you are, though. On behalf of the team, 
right? Yeah, he liked... He, t- he told me he liked it here. Oh, my God. I would love you being the <laughs> shadow GM of the White Sox and getting a deal done where where you're like, hey, uh, Elvis, we need you back on the White Sox. If there is one person who's going to be the shadow GM of the team, it's not me and it's not you. It's, it's not? probably Chuck Garfine. Okay. He can make it happen because Chuck's all like approachable and pleasant. We're sick of it. Ouch. See, I mean, like the humor. Ozzy can be the closer. I. Here's the thing. Okay, next question. Underrated. If we're going to do a best of 2022, my God, where does that rank in the top five? I 100% want the White Sox to succeed in 2023. It, It would be great for my own mental health. I always look at the calendar and I'm like, man, is there a couple of trips? And now that everyone's playing everybody and you're balancing out the schedule, it gives me more opportunities to go to ballparks that I like. There's no AL Central to save you now. I, I, I would really like for them to be good. But I will say, this is the one time it goes against what it is that you want. That post-game show got better and better as the season went. On. That's why Chuck would be the shadow GM candidate. I mean, you had, didn't you have Ozzy on the couch at one point? Yeah, lying down, and then Chuck was on the couch lying down. And- you, you, had, you had Chuck needing to be psychoanalyzed. I love when you analyze. that, And Ozzy just every day giving you something where you turned on the postgame show and you were like, you know what? I don't even care if things are going to be all right because Ozzy is hysterical. I like what I'm seeing. I, from from Leori's swing. Did you see Leori's at-bats? I did see him. Leary, He's one of the worst players in the league. Listen, he and DeAndre Houston Carson are similar in that you have to know how to use these people's talents. That's it. Very important. Um, high Noon is coming up next. Before High Noon, uh, I have an announcement that I'll share with people who haven't seen it yet. Um, and then we are going to go into the Wayback Machine. Something that happened, I think it was this week last year. No, it was far more recent. It was, was definitely it? this year. I, are you sure? Our favorite our favorite media librarian is up to his antics. I thought it was because we were, we, I thought it was like post-Christmas. Because that's well, why Well, it's we, whenever Joe Ostrowski's birthday is. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't know. I, is, it, is he December 4th? Maybe it was earlier. Someone called Joe. I should probably know Joe's birthday. I mean, I'm doing the guy 20 years. I should probably know his birthday. He if, was my EP for forever. If there was a better app for having birthday calendars other than Facebook, would we even need Facebook? I went back into Facebook last night because I was looking for that picture that Peggy took of me. At the the game where Brett Favre was shielding ended. your phone from the snow, it, it's pretty incredible. It's it's one of my favorites, but I could not find it. I went all the way back to the date, which stinks. Uh, announcement and something fun for you. We are going to make the announcement worth your time because the other thing that we have for high noon was high comedy. You, Mike, you did take out the part that we can't play on the radio, right? We'll find out. Next on the score. 
Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I'll be back this way on Monday. We'll settle this then. Right there, out in the street, in front of the Palace Saloon. Yeah, right. When? High noon? High noon. We do it every day around this time, and we started off by telling you what we've discussed already. We discussed the demise of East Bay. If you're someone that grew up loving shoes or ballet slippers or wrestling shoes or or cleats, spikes. If you had an extracurricular activity in your life. And you needed shoes for them, you used to go to the East Bay catalog and it will be no more at the end of this week. We talked with Adam Hogue. Great conversation with Hoger. Mike Florio giving us all the news around the NFL. That's where we're going with Hoger. Yeah, that's, that's always been my, when he used to run my board. That was my nickname for him. He ran your board? Yes, he was not very good at it. And he will tell you that he's not very good at There's it. There's something he's not good at? And we had the conversation of, you know, you can go do other stuff. Like, you don't have to be good at running the board. You're good at other stuff. So let's start funneling you into other stuff. I thought he was good at all the stuff. He's good at everything but that. It's the only thing in broadcasting that he can't do is run a board. And then there's Jason, who's good at all the stuff. Right. Not that that's a knock on Hogue, just that that's a compliment to Jason's board. I mean, golf is kind of the gold standard when it comes to Oh, started from the bottom and like all the stuff that he can do. It's pretty incredible. And an East Bay connoisseur, no doubt. There's no doubt about that. And we talked about the left tackle position for your Chicago Bears. So I wouldn't say that it's the worst kept secret in Chicago sports media, but for those of you who didn't see the tweet or didn't see the little flash that jumped across the screen a couple weeks ago, which I'm not sure if it was supposed to be there or not, um, I am going to head back over to NBC Sports Chicago to handle the football after show for the last two weeks of the season. And you thought you had a reason to not watch these Bears games. Yeah. Au contraire. So, so yes, it's a little bit of a homecoming. I get to interact with my guys, Alex Brown and Lance Briggs and Dave Wanstead. So all of that is very comfortable because I used to do the football after show and I also used to host the Dave Wanstead show. So now I'm kind of putting those two things together for two weeks. And these are, these are three of my favorite people. Um, as I say that, I just want to quickly just shout out Olin Krutz and Matt Forte. Amen. Because working with those guys, um, I've always said this when it comes to the football after show, it's like going to graduate school. Like it is the same, like the in a um, locker room. Yes. The amount of information that you learn about the game and now adding coach wants that into that mix is great, but I, I didn't want to, um, not mention how important Olin and Matt were to my development as a host. David Kaplan is taking early retirement from NBC Sports Chicago, so he will be finishing up Unfiltered this week. And then Unfiltered, I just, I literally just got this text before we came back. 
Unfiltered is now going to change into a football night in Chicago show starting Tuesday, and I will be the host of the inaugural show there. But it's not my show. I'm just going to be one of the people that's kind of rotating in and out. It's not your show, show, but you're on the show. Correct. So I'm very excited to go back there and be with my guys. I had, they didn't even ask me. I had a whole idea on the promo that they should do. You want to hear my promo out? Yeah, this is your show and you're on the show. My promo is me in the break room. Okay. And someone being like, hey, um, what are you still doing here? I'm like, oh, I've just been here since we went on break in, in 2019. <laughs> I've just been here. That's I, funny. I just thought it was a long break. So I've just been here the whole time. Hmm. Something about you and I getting laid off from that place and now back working with the Peacock again. Shout out to my uh, companion in the lifeboat, Layla Rahimi. Just seems right, doesn't it? It does. I'm trying not to make too big a deal out of this because I understand this is just... The only thing that I've agreed to is these two weeks and Tuesday, and we'll see where things go. You know what my favorite kind of redemption is? Redemption. You're damn right! You're for that, coach! Me, Layla, Ronji, Joe Ostrowski, we're all in a room celebrating... Joe Ostrowski's birthday because he's legit one of my most favorite people in the world. So we thought that we would call one of his most favorite people in the world, which is also one of our most favorite people in the world, Melissa Rakitis. And boy, did we regret that. Can you say, uh, I don't know if you can say this. No, no. The answer is no. (laughs) But Lawrence, Lawrence, it might be yes. The answer might be yes. got a dump button. Well, I don't know. We have a dump button. Yeah, go go ahead, Melissa. No, no, no. I think you can. It ain't no measuring contest. No, you can't say that. No, 100%. You can't say that. Did we all hit the button at the same time? (laughs) That's the first first time I've ever hit it. She was the producer. This is the producer. We all hit the dump button there. Yeah, we all did. It's got to reset, so this is live. That's the first time I've ever hit the dump button ever in my career. So please. Thank you, Melissa. How did she not know? Can I say this? Like she thought about it from from a minute. And And there are ways. There are ways to say it without saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Like she was the last line of defense when she was a producer. I know. I know. Oh my god! Mitch freaked out. Oh, he hit that buzzer in the office like ten times. We all oh, we did. All did the, yeah. the folks on the stream got themselves a treat. This, this. Oh yeah, Twitch is rolling right now. This dump button is like inactive for the next three hours because we all hit it at once. I this, won't swear. That's just I, unbelievable. I, I, Melissa has something else to say, but I'm no, worried about putting no, her back. She's up. out. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's out. Like that's rookie. We love you, but you're out. You're out right now. Like that's it. That's it. Oh God. How was that? How did you not? Oh, I just don't understand. She hasn't been out of the business that long. Oh my god! All she right. used to run my board. I know, man. We gotta go. She was Joe. in charge of the dump button. Joe. <laughs> Happy birthday, Joe! We gotta go. Thank you. Oh, bye. bye, Joe. Happy birthday. Oh my gosh, it was great. Melissa Lokai is legendary. 
Uh, I don't even know she if we're going to be back an... with. We had to. We had to she reset is such the an idiot. station. I love her, but she is an idiot. So uh, we got to reset the station next on the score. I forgot. It was your first time hitting the dump button. Yes, I got the birthday present. Actually, so dope and so messed up. The uh, fact that she's waffling with, of course you can't say that. <laughs> I censor myself from saying words you can say on the air. Right? Shout out to Shadow Video producer Gustavo for bringing that back up to our attention. We appreciate him and all of his hard work and making us look good. Yeah, he's our street agent. Oh, I just re- realized I could throw up the gif of me and Alex Brown on the football after show. It's a gif. I say gif. But it's fine. The person who invented the gift didn't invent the English language. They only invented the gift. I know, but I feel better making people uncomfortable. Why you gotta ruin the celebration? How do you feel? You hit the dump button the first time. You're like... It was, at least we got some advance notice. I would have hated to have missed the opportunity. With Roki, you never know. You know who got a hold of that audio? Thanks, I believe in part, to Gustavo. Spike Askin retweeted it. And he's the he's the program director. Unbelievable for for WFAN is in Mad Dog in uh, in New York. Hey man, we we do good things here in Chicago too. <laughs> and Spike said it was legendary, and I think he got in trouble because he deleted the tweet. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Roki. When we come back, we are going to turn our attention to the Chicago Cubs, and I'm going to do the thing that Dan does. I'm going to unlock the phone lines if you would like to talk about the Cubs off season. 312-644-6767 is the number. We will discuss it next. It's Bernstein and Holmes. Lawrence and Layla here with you until 2 on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 